We are so glad you joined us for this week's message from Radiance in Macomb, Mississippi. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. You know, last time we were here two years ago, it was tornadoes everywhere and rain the whole way driving here on us. I don't know if it's you guys or if it's us. <laughs> Truthfully, I, you know, I, I'm actually surprised Michael didn't call me yesterday and tell me, man, stay away so we can get some clear weather around here. But, uh, but I'm glad to be here. We had a little bit of drive this morning from Waynesboro from Jennifer's parents' house. So we're Mississippi people. I'm from Raymond and Jennifer's from Waynesboro. And uh, before I get too far into, into talking this morning, I want to mention today is Jennifer's birthday. Right, right, right. Thank you, thank you. Um, and we were in Panama on a mission trip last month. And uh, there was a little girl, uh, I think she was 14 years old, turning 14 years old. And they called her to the front of the church to celebrate her birthday. I'm not going to do that. Um, they called her to the front of the church to celebrate her birthday. And uh, I feel like we need a lightener for the mood a little bit here, right? Uh, they, they call this young lady up, and the pastor asks her to call out who's going to be the rooster. You guys ever heard of this? And, uh, and <laughs> to my despair, she called me forward. I didn't know this girl. Why is she calling me? Anyway, she called me up, and I had to mimic... Uh, the crow of a rooster while banging my chest and flapping my arms. I'm going to try to refrain. I'm not going to do that this morning, but uh, just just thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, might as well, right? Continue my shame. Uh, it's all on video. It's on YouTube. It's got two million hits. No. Um, church, I just want to thank you all for for your partnership with our family. I want to thank you for the last couple years. And as Michael said, we've known each other for a really long time. I don't think either one of us would have looked at each other back at Central Hines and said, you know what we're going to do one day? We're going to tell people about Jesus. I, I, I don't really think that was what we thought we were going to do maybe at that point. But, man, here we are, and it's good to be here. It's good to be here, isn't it, church? You know, it's good to be saved. It's good to know Christ. It's good to have churches supporting our work and partnering with us around this country and around the world. Um, to get to do the mission work we do and, and to get to be a part of, of what God's doing in this world, man, it's a blessing. And I just want us to make sure that we recognize that. Recognize the blessing that we have to get to do this work. To get to be a part of a church like this one, to get to be a part of the mission of God, to reach the people of God that are spread out around the world and here. You know, I want to I start out with a prayer this morning, and then I'll give you a little update on our family and kind of how things have been going, but Father, God, I just thank you for, God, I thank you for bringing us here today. God, I thank you on this rainy morning and, and some heavy hearts here. Father, that you continue to bless us, that you continue to love us, that you continue to give to us, that you continue to let us know that those who leave us have a better place, that those who leave us are in your arms, so that are, as we stand before you this morning in praise and in honor of you, Father, that there are 
many in heaven doing just the same thing for you. Father, that one day as we pass on from this life, that we can go to a place of perfection, that we can go to a place where everybody knows and loves you. Father, where everybody gets to praise you for all eternity. Father, I just uh, ask you to bless the message this morning. I ask you to speak to hearts. I ask you to move us from emotion to motion. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when we were here last, a couple years ago, we were kind of, we, we were about a year into our work, maybe a little over a year into our work with Mana Worldwide. We were figuring things out. We were raising our personal family support, stuff like that, and We'd been on a couple mission trips and, and led, I think, one at that time with manna. Um, but now, fast forward a couple years, and uh, we've led about 10 more trips. We've been all over the world. We've been all over this country speaking about what God's doing around the world, and especially in Asia. We've seen people saved. We've seen hundreds of people in our projects saved around the world. We've seen God show up in our lives and provide for us financially, which is one of those crazy things that you never expect. You know, when you're growing up in high school and, and you want to be driving up to your 10-year reunion in a Bentley, and, uh, and then God says, do something different, right? And you start to worry about money. I mean, like, let's get real. But then God just knocks our socks off and provides. Let me tell you, God's provided. Let me tell you, God's kept us on the move. God's kept us moving. Um, you know, I believe that sometimes our feet can get stuck and get stuck in one place. And I think God asks us to take steps of faith throughout our lives. And I, you know, I don't know if anybody hears in that point right now where you feel kind of, oh, I'm here, but where do I go next? Let me tell you, God has footprints in the sand right in front of you move take steps take steps of faith and god's done that in our lives he's pushed us he's driven us forward i think at times he's dragged us along but man we got to see god do some incredible things in the last couple years we've gotten to see kids come to faith we've gotten to see new projects planted and new countries opening up with manna we'll click over kind of to the the next slide where it tells a little bit about manna we uh, we're now in 43 countries. Got about 185 ongoing projects. I think when I was here last time, it was about 30 or 40 less than that. So in a couple of years, we've grown quite a bit. We've got churches that have been planted around the world since we've been here last. We've got orphanages and nutrition centers, schools and medical clinics that have opened up throughout Asia and around the world. We've gotten partnerships that have begun with pastors and missionaries on the ground that are reaching thousands more people than when we were here last time. And listen, I want to tell you, church, I, I said thank you a moment ago, but listen, all of that is because of you. All of that is because somebody here in Mississippi, somebody in Maine, somebody in California decided that these kids matter. Somebody decided that these communities matter. Somebody decided to give of what we have of our resources, our prayer, our time, our talent, our treasure. They decided that these kids and these communities 
These families, these cities, and these countries matter. Decided that Jesus wants all of us to provide Him praise and worship. They took a step of faith. 43 countries and 185 projects. We have not been to all of those. We've uh, not been to all of those countries. Um, but we know from the countries that we've been to, the 10 or so that we've been to with manna at this point, we know that God is at work by the thousands this morning. We know that God was at work when we were on still on Saturday and it was Sunday morning in some of the parts of Asia that we work. We know that God was there speaking to people and leading to people to faith. Just like He is this morning here today at Radiance. And I want to thank you for that. I want to tell you a story of a boy named Bikram this morning. And if you click over, Bikram's story is an interesting one. He... Uh, He's from Nepal. It's a place that I talk about a lot, that we've been many times. It's a place that grabbed our heart first for this missions thing, and I, and I think God used that to lead us to where we are now. Bikram was born to a family in desperate poverty in a place called Sindapochok. Say that five times fast. Right? Sindapochok, Nepal, is in the northern part of Nepal, right near the Himalayan mountains. Um, every... Uh, village and every mountain that's right around him, we would consider massive. And they consider the middle hills. <laughs> Just a little bit north of him, there are mountains that are over 20,000 feet. They're covered in snow year-round. Bikram was born in Sinapachok to a family in desperate poverty. And sometimes desperate poverty can get lost on us, truthfully. Uh, it really can uh, in, in the way that we see desperate poverty in a lot of places around the world. And Bikram was born into desperate poverty that meant that he couldn't go to school. He didn't have clean water to drink. He had a mud hut made of stones and thatch and mud. He drank dirty water that kept him sick most of the time. He grew up hungry. He was born into a family where meals were hard to come by where if they got a little bit of rice and a little bit of lentils every day, they were happy. You know, Bikram, Bikram's story could have stopped there. Just as our story could have stopped before we found this place called Radiance. Before we found, hopefully, all of us found Jesus. Our story could have stopped somewhere. But Bikram's didn't and ours didn't, thank God, right? Bikram's story was not going so swell when he was first born, but it got worse soon after when his father died. It left he and his mom more desperate than ever. You see, in Nepal, what happens when a lady's husband dies is that means that the lady must have cursed him in some way. It means it's her fault. So the community looks down on her and pushes her out and treats her as an outcast. Bikram's mom was more desperate than ever when my friend Benad visited that village for the first time. My friend Benad is a follower of Christ. He, was, he, he says he's one of the original 
followers of Christ in Nepal. He's not really that old, but uh, he, uh, he counts himself among the few because there really are still very few. He came to faith in a time when it was illegal there, when you couldn't have a church. He came to faith in a time when he got thrown in prison for being a follower of Christ and sharing it with other people. And so his faith grew stronger. Let me tell you, sometimes when we go through trials in our lives, it's to grow our faith. It's to strengthen us for what lies ahead. My friend Benad entered Bikram's village and soon after he met her mom. I mean, Bikram's mom. He met Bikram and he found out about their plight. And he asked if he could do anything to help. He was strengthened by Christ for that very moment and, and, and moments just like that because he was able to share his faith. He was able to share everything he had. He took Bikram down to the city. He provided, started to provide education for him. He moved him into a children's home there uh, that he ran to start to uh, teach him about Christ, to start to help him out of this situation. He offered to let Bikram's mom come down. He shared his faith with Bikram's mom. Listen, our story could have stopped where it was, but it didn't. It could have stopped where we were, but it didn't. Bikram's story could have stopped where he was, but it didn't. Bikram's story got a lot better. Bikram met Benad and he went down to live in a children's home and he started to hear about this Jesus who loves him. He started to hear about a Jesus who provides, who cares for him, who wants to be like a father to him, who wants to adopt him into his family, who wants to care for him in a place called heaven. Bikram came to faith soon after. Bikram has grown up into an incredible young man. He's 19, about 19 years old at this point. He uh, moved out of our children's home uh, about a year and a half ago. He moved back to Sindapachok. Before his mom passed away just a few years ago, his mom came to faith in Christ. Listen, Bikram came to faith in Christ. He helped to lead his mom to faith in Christ. When his mom passed away, everybody wanted Bikram to come and shave his head and dress all in white and weep and mourn and burn her body and give her to the gods that they believed in, in Hinduism. Bikram stood up against the village and he said no. He went and buried his mom. He said no. I'll not do the Hindu thing. We're not Hindu anymore. What gave him the strength to do that? Man, the Lord leads you through some tough times, but let it strengthen you, church. Let it lift you up. Let Him strengthen you. Bikram has now moved back to his village. He's built his own house there in the village from scratch. From what we know, he's maybe the only Christian in that village. Let me tell you, he won't be the last. That's what happens when somebody like you gets involved with a child like Bikram. That's what happens. You know, people ask us 
Why Asia? They ask us, you know, I mean, there are people here that need Jesus. When we go to California, when we go to Oregon and Washington, when we go actually this coming week up to the New England area, there are people there in the thousands, in the millions that need Jesus. Why Asia? Why have we focused so much on Asia? Let me tell you about 70%, if you click over, about 70% of the malnourished children in the world live in Asia. About 87% of the unreached people groups in the world are represented in Asia. Listen, some of us, I think we, growing up, and really for a long time, I didn't know what an unreached people group was. Well, what does that mean? Listen, there are approximately, what, 7 billion people on the planet. About 40-something percent of those people are considered completely unreached with the good news of Christ. That means they don't have a church down the street to come to if they wanted to. They don't have a Bible. They don't have anybody down the road. They don't have anybody working next door to them or living next door to them that can tell them about Jesus. 87% of those unreached people groups are in Asia. Let me tell you, if I, if I split this church right here, right down the middle, I'd look to you people and I'd say, congratulations, you've got Jesus. Congratulations, you've got a Bible, you've got a pastor, you've got a church, you've got somebody to tell you the good news of Christ, that you have an eternity and a future with Him. But I'd have to look at you guys and I'd have to say, I'm sorry, you don't. And the truth is, you probably never will. The likelihood that you'll ever hear about Jesus even one time, that you'll ever have the opportunity to accept Christ as your Savior even one time, is highly unlikely. Unless the people over here get busy reaching out across the aisle and across the city and across the state and around this country and throughout this continent and around the world all the way to Asia where 87% of the unreached people groups in the world are. Every 10 seconds a child dies of hunger. And right now as we are here this morning in the majority of Asia it's night time and over 20 million children are going to sleep right now in the streets of Asia but for the lack of somebody helping them. Today, I think we have to move the conversation from can we give, can we help, to how can we not when we see the desperate need for Jesus, the desperate need for hope. James 1.27 up on the screen says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Listen to that. Caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And listen, I don't think it is just orphans and widows because, listen, the Bible tells us that we were all separated from the Father. Right? Before we know Jesus. That means at one time we were all spiritual orphans of God. Let me tell you, we have to care for people that don't know Jesus. 
We have to care for people that are in distress, people that are hopeless, people that are helpless, people that are hurting, people that are starving and thirsty and living on the streets. We have to care for people who don't have access to Jesus. Let me ask you a question on the next slide. What if no one went to help Bikram? What if nobody went there? What if my friend Benad didn't show up in his village at the right time? What if God didn't send Benad to that place to meet that boy and his mom? What if nobody went to tell them about Jesus? What hope would they have? What help would they have? Would Bikram have education? Would he have food and shelter and clothing? Would he have Jesus? Would that village be well on its way to being reached for Christ? If not, for somebody going to help. For somebody giving to help. For somebody serving and loving. For somebody praying to help. Listen, in Matthew 25, verse 35 through 40, this is Jesus speaking, and it's um, and he's sort of ter- telling a story, which is what Jesus does, right? Throughout the Bible, he tells these parables. He tells these stories of what's going to happen and what Jesus would do in different situations. And he says, "For I was hungry and you fed me." He says, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And and church, I want us to notice the I. It's personal to Christ. It's personal to Him. He feels it when we reach out to help someone in need. When Benad met Bikram and reached out to him to help him that first time, Jesus felt it. He experienced it as if it was done to him. And basically, the people on the other side of this conversation, they look to Jesus and they're like, Lord, when? When did we feed you? When did we visit you? When did we clothe you? When did we do all these things? And he replies and he says, And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Church, to me. It's personal. Church, I think we have to take it personally. I think when we hear about kids like Bikram, when we hear about people in our community and around the world that need Jesus, we have to take it personally. It has to break our hearts. We have to ask God to break our hearts for the people who desperately need Him. Listen, you may never be more like God than when you reach out to take responsibility for a child in need. Let me say it again. You may never be more like God than when you reach out to take responsibility for a child in need. Because, listen, isn't that what He did for us? When God reached out, when He sent Jesus to die on a bloody cross, when He sent Jesus to be buried in a tomb that He didn't deserve, that was a borrowed tomb. Now what He did for us? When Jesus fought that battle with evil and with death and He stood up and He walked out and He went and visited some of His friends and He said, 
I am the way. Now go tell people. Isn't that what He did for us? Didn't He reach out to us as children in need, church? I want to tell one more story. I'll begin to wrap up this morning. I want to tell the story of my friend Grace. And uh, her, her Nepali name is Jetty. If we can uh, click over to the next slide. This is my friend Grace. And uh, I don't know why it doesn't say her name over there. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is my friend Grace. Uh, her true name is Jetty, which means light. I keep telling her that's, that's a perfectly sufficient name uh, for somebody of her stature. Grace is in this photo. I took it at her house with her mom standing alongside her. Grace was telling her family story in this picture to a mission team that we took there in 2017. And Grace was telling us a story that I heard a couple years prior to that as we sat beside a Hindu temple and, and had some coffee and had some lunch. She told me the story of her family and how she came to know Jesus. And it wrecked me. Grace is an incredible young lady. Grace was telling her story here and she was born into a Hindu family like most people in Nepal are. Um, she was born into a family in desperate poverty as most people in Nepal are. She was born into a family with a dad who was an alcoholic, an abusive alcoholic. He squandered their money. He uh, abused them. He uh, was always starting fights in their home with their mom. He was always running off and leaving and then returning sometime later to try to figure out what was left of the pieces of his family. And at one point, Grace's father uh, had a sister who was invited to a church. She was sick, and she kept going to the doctor there in Nepal, and uh, medical care is not what it is here. Um, but she kept going to the doctor in the hospital, and she kept trying to figure out what was wrong, and they kept doing tests, and they kept doing different things, and nothing was working. And nobody in her Hindu community reached out to care for her, because that was her plight. According to Hindus, whatever happens to you, that's your fault. That's your plight. That's what happens. When you do bad things, the gods enact bad things on your life. So she was sick and they couldn't figure out why and somebody invited her to church. She went to church for the first time. She heard about Jesus. She started to go back to church because these people in the church cared. They gave. They served. They loved. They prayed for her. She eventually came to faith in Christ. And listen, she was healed. Without medical intervention further, she was healed in this church in Kathmandu, Nepal. She began to tell everybody around her, hey, you got to come to church. As you do, right? She told her brother, you got to come to church. And he said, no, I'm, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm Hindu. We're Hindu. He told, she told him again, and 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 she kept asking, and she kept asking. I don't know if anybody did that to you one time <laughs> to get you here. I don't know. 
She kept asking and she kept asking and eventually she wore him down and he said, okay, 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 leave me alone, I'll go. He took his family to church for the first time. And they went to service and they heard about Jesus and they met people and people loved on him. And they left that place and he seemingly got nothing from it. But Grace did. Her brother Prakash did. Her mom Ruth did. They went home and they remembered that the people at church cared. That the God that they heard about there provided hope when the gods of Hinduism do not. Not long after that, their dad ran away and he went down to India with what was left of their money and he squandered it. He ended up having a heart attack and dying in India. He left them abandoned and broken and confused and not knowing what to do. And Grace told me sitting by that Hindu temple several years ago and she told our team standing here on her front porch, she said, you know, she said, my dad running away and leaving us and dying was one of the worst things that ever happened to us as a family. The thing that she said next shocked me. She said it was also one of the best things. What do you mean? She said, when we were at our most desperate point, we remembered the church. We remembered people who cared. We went back to church and we began to go to church and we found hope in Christ and we all got saved. Because my dad went to India, we all found hope in Christ and now I've got a father. Sorry, didn't end there. A couple months after this photo was taken, Grace got the opportunity to go to seminary in Norway for free. <laughs> Tell you how that happens. She entered seminary a couple months later. She moved into this town in Norway. Let me tell you, Europe is, a, is another dark place, a place that desperately needs Jesus, right? She moved into this little town in Norway where she was going to go to seminary to grow up and, I don't know, be like us or something, do ministry, right? She grew, she enters this seminary and she messages me about a week or two later and she says, Craig, you'll never believe it. I got here to my town and there are a group of Nepalis that are Hindu that are living in my town. And it's a really close-knit group because there's very few Nepalis living in Norway. And she said, I'm going to reach them for Jesus. She started Bible studies among these people. She's reaching people with the word of Christ, with the name of Christ, with the hope of Christ in Norway. And didn't stop there. Grace has continued to reach people. She's continued to share her faith. She's continued to look for ministry opportunities. She's actually in the process of trying to do an internship, trying to get approved to do an internship with us through MANA here in the States. Her brother, her brother Prakash has begun leading worship at church. And he preached a couple weeks ago for the first time at church. <laughs> Unlikely. Unlikely. But God made a way. Church, the Bible says where our treasure lies, there our hearts will lie also. Right? And 
from my standpoint, if I, if I say that I love these kids, if I say that I love people, if I say that people desperately need Jesus, but I don't put my treasure into ensuring that they have food, that they're protected, that they have hope that it's only found in Jesus, then let me ask you, do I really love them? If our treasure lies if our heart lies where our treasure lies, if I don't put my treasure, my time, my talent, my money into making sure that these kids, these communities, these people know Jesus, then can I say that I love them? If my treasure isn't directed toward His desire to have them know His love for them, how can I say that I love them? Church, I desperately love them. These are my kids. We got to take it personally. Let me ask another question. Not only how can I say that I love them, but church, how can I say that I love him? How can I say that I love him if I don't do what he asks? If I don't follow his commands? Jesus said, if you love me, You'll keep my commands. He commanded us to be a part of kids' lives like Grace and like Prakash and like Bikram, like our Asha and Sagar that we sponsor in Nepal. Today, church, as I mentioned, I think in, in, in my prayer at the very beginning, we have to begin to turn emotion to motion because when we hear about things like this, when we hear about desperate people, our tendency is to get emotional. I tear up a lot, more than my wife would like me to sometimes. Um, but listen, if all we ever do is get emotional about the needs of people around the world, they're still going to die. They're still going to go to hell. They're still going to starve, and they're still going to be laying on the streets right now. we got to turn emotion to motion, church. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Radiance in McComb, Mississippi. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, would like to connect with a pastor, or would like to support the ministry of Radiance, you can easily do so on our website at radiancemacomb.com. We hope you have a blessed week.